0: welcome to the places where we go podcast hello i'm julie
1: and i'm art we're the hosts of the places where we go podcast join us as we share our travel stories we'll tell you about where we've been what we saw and what we did we're always looking for a bit of an adventure
0: sometimes we travel far sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard wherever we go We'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures.
1: This is the Places Where We Go podcast. We're back to continue talking about our travels in Utah. This time we're going to go to Zion National Park and this is going to be the first of a few episodes that we're gonna do in the area. I don't know if it's gonna be two or maybe three, so you'll have to keep listening to find out. I just know it's gonna be more than one. So the last few episodes we had were in and around Bryce Canyon National Park, and it turns out that to get to Zion, it's just about an hour away, so we ended up actually switching campsites to get a little closer to Zion. And as we continue to be on a quest to see as many national parks as we can, one by one, this would end up being our second national park that we've ever visited in Utah.
0: It made sense to go there because it was so close to Bryce, where we had started our adventure in Utah. There's a little bit, a lot of bit, I would say history around these national parks. Utah's Zion National Park, as it is currently called, was its first national park and the most visited of all the Utah's national parks. There's a little saying on the website. I liked it, so I'm going to repeat it for you. A bajillion years ago, ancient iterations of the Virgin River started wreaking havoc on southwestern Utah. Now there's a faint, you're welcome, echoing through the canyons of Zion National Park.
1: So if you ever wanted to see something that comes from a bajillion years ago, Zion's your opportunity.
0: <laughs> the uh, park was named in 1909 as President William Howard Taft was president, and he called it the Mukun Weep National Monument. And they did this in order to protect the canyon, because as we were driving into it, I mean, the beauty of it was it was so incredible, it was hard to imagine anything that could come in and, and ruin this. I mean, it was just, yeah. it's gorgeous.
1: Makuntuweep is a, that's a mouthful. I don't even know if we're saying it right.
0: <laughs> uh, probably not. And there was a reason that they changed the name, and it's exactly what you're speaking of now. The acting director of the newly created National Park Service, his name was Horace Albright, he decided to draft a proposal to enlarge the existing monument and change the park's name to Zion National Monument. Zion being a term that was used by Mormons in the area. So according to a man named Hal Rothman, who was a historian, the name change played a very prevalent bias of the time. Many believed that the Spanish and Indian names would deter visitors. And partly because... You and I both looked at this name and, and said, how are we going to say this? We really literally didn't know how to say it. It wouldn't
1: stop it. me from visiting it. But, no. But no, I guess but, back in the day, that's but how people about thought. Yeah, yeah, we're talking yeah. about a bias. Yeah,
0: we're talking about a bias at the time. Yeah. So they figured that if you couldn't pronounce the name, why would they bother to visit? So they did change the name to Zion, which they thought would appeal to a very particular audience. So okay. nothing changes much, does it?
1: No, although, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to pet peeve a little bit. And so it's loosely related to what we're talking about, you know, names of things being changed for, I don't know, reasons that sometimes people think they can't pronounce certain things or say certain things. I never understood why, let's say in the United States, and I think this happens probably in most countries, when we refer to names of places in other cultures and other countries, why we end up modifying those names so like you know my, my the example that always comes to mind for me coming from polish heritage there's names of polish cities that when we say them in the states we change them and you know the i think the predominant example is going to be the capital of poland which in polish it's going to be Warszawa, but we say warsaw nobody in poland calls it warsaw it's Warszawa and why do we change that? So yeah, I'm all for forget this bias stuff. Keep names original. That's well, that's my preference.
0: Yes, and, again, and, so and as little, you said, I think that it, it's um, a, a misnomer to to say that people would not visit just because the name was hard to pronounce. I, that's doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But In 1919, in November of 1919, Congress redesignated the monument as a national park instead of a national monument. So, therefore, it became Zion National Park, and that was signed in by President Woodrow Wilson.
1: So, Woodrow made us not call it Mukontweep National Park.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See, it's hard to say.
1: It is hard to say. But if we all said it, we would all know it.
0: It's but, true. You know. It's true. And I think it would still be very popular because the, it's beautiful. the beauty of yeah. the place is just, uh, is just unbelievable. It's just not even describable. But you, you really have to go. Mm-hmm. Travel before that area too was really, really rough. They didn't have a lot of travel because it was so remote. There was a lack of places to stay. There really wasn't real roads. There was a lot of horseback riders that went into the area. They had some old wagon roads Mm -hmm. that went into the area that then started becoming updated as cars were being introduced starting about 1910. So the road in Zion Canyon was built in 1917 leading to the grotto short of the present road that now ends at the temple of Sinawava.
1: yeah and then there would have been some more construction later and so we'll talk about how the roads developed a little bit later
0: yeah pretty amazing what they ended up doing yeah pretty remarkable
1: but let's talk about how one might get to zion national park the most common way and ultimately Mm -hmm. the way that you're going to have to travel in is some kind of motorized vehicle now, not everybody lives close enough to drive their car to Zion National Park. So for some people, you're going to need to hop on an airplane when we're allowed to travel again that way. And I guess people no we can. We yeah, can I don't know we can, yeah. but it's uh, I think not as many people are doing this as in the past. But for airplane travel, the closest airports that you have, one, Is McCarran International Airport, and that's all the way in Las Vegas. So um, you know, when when I say closest airport, that one right there is 170 miles away, and the next closest airport apparently is Salt Lake City International Airport, and that's 311 miles away. So even if you fly, you're still going to have to find some kind of rental car or vehicle to get you from the airport to Zion, and that's going to be a several hour trip, and probably a trip through some, I think it's interesting landscape. If you like desert landscape in Nevada, you get a little different type of experience driving through Utah. But those are your flight opportunities. And then by car or RV, if you're coming from the West Coast, you're ultimately gonna get to Highway 15. And then from there, it depends on where you're going to stay and what you're driving. So. I think we've talked about this on a prior podcast. If you use an app like Waze, it's gonna give you typically the shortest route, which might work fantastic if you're in a car, but if you're in an RV, You're going to need to pay attention to, is the road going to be right for your vehicle? And it turned out for us, since we were towing a 27-foot trailer, the shortest road was not the best road. So we had a little different drive that worked out well for the towing. And we got to see some beautiful landscapes along the way as well.
0: I think even when you're driving... There should be some amount of research that goes into your direction and where you want to be because there's even roads there that ways might take you on that you're not comfortable driving even in a car.
1: Yeah, you've got high elevation in this area. Some places, I mean, not super windy roads, but you've got mountain roads to traverse, and so yeah, I agree. Uh, Know where you're gonna drive before you get there, especially if you have options, and and there are some. Mm -hmm. Now, there's two different park entrances. You've got one that's located on the east side of the park, and that's the one that we would have taken in the days that we were visiting Zion National Park and then you have a west entrance and or in in my head I kind of see it as the south entrance and that's the one that's just around the town of Springdale and I, I think that's probably the most popular one to get into the park you do need to pay a fee so at the time of this podcast the fee is $35 per vehicle and $20 per person or if you have the annual pass as we do that that costs $70 And that'll get you into pretty much as many national parks as you can visit in the course of a year.
0: There are many things you can do within Zion National Park. There are camping options that are within the park and there are some outside of the park. It's very important that you make reservations for any of those options well in advance of your trip. They fill up quickly mm-hmm. and accommodations for hotels, motels, whatever you choose to stay in also fill up very quickly because it is a popular park.
1: Yeah, I think we have found that with the most popular national parks, there's been times where we've had to do our reservations just about a year in advance. I mean, I'm even thinking about what we have planned for next year, which is also another national park adventure. And um uh, Just about a year out, many of the most popular places were already booked, and that's even in a you know COVID situation. So
0: yes, then we made our reservations outside of the park, but we were also RVing at the time, so we were making plans particular to the type of travel that we chose to make on this trip. We found a very nice area that was very close to the park, that had full hookups. If you're camping within the park, you're not going to have as many amenities. Mm -hmm. If at all, it might be more of a boondocking type of experience. So make sure that you research well when you're RVing and you know exactly what you're heading into. There's an immense amount of backpacking and canyoneering in Zion National Park. The landscape itself lends itself towards that. The canyoneering especially, there are permits required for that, so make sure you stop in at uh, the visitor center to get a permit before you start off in uh, the event that you want, the thing you want to do at that park. Backpacking, there are some very short backpacking trips, but if you're going into the canyon on a a multiple-day trip, you will need a permit. Mm -hmm. So you need to make sure you stop in and get those permits with the park rangers before you do that. There's guided horseback riding trips at the park. We did not do that. Make sure you make reservations before you get to any place that you want to go horseback riding. That's very important, otherwise you may miss out on that. There's hiking, there's some beautiful nature trails, and from March to early November, they actually, the park rangers actually offer evening programs for that area. One of the primary things that people do or the main thing that people do at Zion is they just drive the main road through the park.
1: That's the easy thing to do. Which is what we did. Yeah. Well, one of the things we did.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The length of time that it takes to drive this park is relatively short. It felt compared short to, to me. Other, yeah. yeah compared Even other compared to Bryce,
1: to. I thought it was, it yeah. felt shorter to me.
0: Yeah. A lot of twisting, a lot of turning. Mm-hmm. There was places where you had switchbacks, Um, There's areas where you cannot bring uh, a large RV into, so be aware of that. If you do have an RV, be aware that you're probably not going to get through this, especially this main tunnel with a large RV. One of the greatest parts about driving through it is you can kind of take your time. Mm -hmm. People really aren't rushing through it. And as you're driving through it, you will turn a corner or you'll make a different direction you know with the whichever the way the road is going and all of a sudden it opens up to this new scenery Mm -hmm. that is totally different from what was just behind you
1: so maybe we can start talking about the first day that we drove in i think our first plan was that we were going to get there early hike the narrows and um that was the plan yeah you remember that drive
0: yes so we had got up quite early because we had been hearing that you had to get up early in order to get to the Narrows because they only allow a certain number of people yeah. to get in.
1: H- how early? Do you remember? I think it was... That we got up. It yeah. was like
0: four in the morning or something, Something right? like
1: that. Yeah. yeah. I know we were, I think, out of the campground. I think we wanted to hit the entrance by 6, 6. a.m. Mm-hmm. For some reason, mm-hmm. we. I think we had heard or thought that, hey, if we get there by 6 a.m., we'll... Yeah will be good
0: so that was the plan I think we kind of missed out on the early early rising because I do remember we overslept a little bit yeah we looked at the clock and it was like an uh uh-oh moment no breakfast nothing we just jumped in the truck and we went
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so I think by the time we got to that gate the east gate because I think they open it at 6 a.m so that's why we had 6 a.m yeah on our minds by the time we arrived at the east gate It might have been 6.30-ish or something. So we weren't quite there at 6 a.m., but we weren't there like super late either.
0: Yeah, and we didn't know what the situation was going to be, if we had to stop at the gate, if there was going to be a fee at the gate, if there'd be a line of cars at the gate. We didn't know. Mm -hmm. So we just wanted to, you know, our motto is the early bird gets the worm. So we try to get up as early as we can if we want to get to something that interests us. So as we were driving in, um, I mean, one of the biggest things that I was watching was just as the sun was moving across the, Mm -hmm. the mountains and how impressive that was. Yeah, it was majestic. Well, you
1: kind of saw these different colors starting to form. And because we were driving from the east entrance into the park, as the sun was rising in the east, it was shining in the direction of where we were driving the light play that we were seeing on the mountains and it was was shifting as we were driving as the sun was was rising you could have just parked the car and just watched the light Mm -hmm. make its play on the mountains yeah if you're a
0: photographer yeah i mean fantastic photos yeah But our main goal of that day was we wanted to hike the Narrows, which we will talk about later too. So we got to the area, which we weren't quite sure where it was gonna be and what the parking situation was gonna be like.
1: Yeah, but as we were driving, we started to see where people were parking their cars. pulling over
0: and parking and... It just um, seemed
1: like, okay, this is probably... This has gotta be it. So
0: we had gone down, it was a little bit of a winding road, some switchbacks, we had gone further down And saw the cars, but we decided to keep on driving, wondering if there was going to be something closer to that area where we knew we had to turn into Mm -hmm. or try to get into to get to the Narrows. We got to it and it was completely closed up by park rangers Mm -hmm. because there's only a certain amount of cars that were allowed in to the parking space that's just the entrance of the Narrows area.
1: So we ended up finding where all these other cars were pulled over, a place that was just big enough to park our truck. So we just parked- Just big enough? Yeah. I was worried it was uh, going to
0: roll down the hill.
1: Yeah, it kind of- We
0: were. It was dicey. Sketchy.
1: Hey, we have four wheel drive, <laughs> yeah. so we, it was okay. So we parked the truck and then because we saw all these other people there, I'm still thinking, We're good, we're close to wherever this entrance was that was, even though though it was closed off, I thought that the pathway to get to the Narrows was probably just beyond this, and we were gonna- We thought it
0: was much closer to what we thought. Yes. So we did park the truck, we got out, we did speak to the Rangers that were in the area. And this
1: was at a spot called Canyon Junction, so Mm -hmm. this is kind of where the road turns, and if you were able to keep driving down this other road, it would take you to the trailhead of the Narrows, but...
0: In speaking to the park rangers, we had got the information that the road leading up to the Narrows was, I believe he said about five miles?
1: From where this point was that we had parked, a lot of people were choosing to do this. they were doing it. You would have to hike five miles just to get to where the the trailhead of the Narrows Mm -hmm. starts. Mm -hmm. And so for us, I think we we decided that we were going to try this differently and probably do the Narrows the following day.
0: I didn't want to expend all my energy on the five miles up there.
1: And then do the narrows. And then do the narrows. And then do another five mile walk to get to the car. Yeah. So, and I think along the way, we had heard that people were parked at the east entrance as early as three in the morning so that they could be, you know, first through the gate when they opened it up at 6 a.m. So I think the moral of this story is if you want to drive your car close to that trailhead you're gonna to have to get at the entrance gate super early and mm-hmm. six in the morning isn't early enough mm-hmm. you're gonna to have to plan for you know, hours before then
0: the east entrance yeah gate.
1: there are other options to get you to um, the trailhead but we're going to talk about that when we talk about the narrows
0: so we decided that we were going to put it off to the next day and we headed off to the visitor center which is the west entrance of the park or in your head the south so in talking to the rangers we were informed that there's also shuttles that go up to the narrows into that parking lot and just drop you off Mm -hmm. and the shuttles were running yeah of course there was some restrictions because of the covid era stuff but they were running and you had to make reservations
1: yeah so when we were there though the shuttles that were running were not the national park service shuttles they were private shuttles
0: right yeah But you have to make reservations. Yeah. So and so we started making some phone calls to see if we could get a reservation for whatever. I don't know what the service was called. It but was
1: Zion Outfitters. Yeah. yeah.
0: We did that and we were lucky enough to get reservations for the next day
1: yeah, so, to get so, up into the Narrows. So 9 a.m. we had a booking for a shuttle and now we had to come up with something else to do on day one in zion since the narrows didn't happen
0: with this in mind you have to realize that you're going to spend a little bit more money if you could not drive up into that park no. not by yourself yeah to do because, the private shuttle yeah because yeah. the private shuttle they don't do it for free no yeah no there's some money involved yeah
1: but if they're going to get you in there and it's guaranteed you're going to get there and you're going to save yourself that extra 10 miles round trip of walking so you could spend more of your energy in the narrows I think it's a good investment. We thought so. so. Yeah. Yeah. The next thing that we ended up doing was to figure out what we were going to do was make a stop at the Zion Visitor Center. So I always like to stop at the National Park Visitor Center just to get a sense of what's happening, anything we need to know about. Now, this visitor center happened to be substantially larger than the one that we came across in Bryce Canyon National Park. They were letting, I think, a good amount of people in. They were enforcing the mask wearing some amount of distancing in terms of they were only letting in so many people at a time. But once you got in, I don't remember that many of the exhibits were open. Like sometimes where you get to tour and learn about the national park. I think some of those were closed off, Mm -hmm. but the merchandise section was in full bloom. So Mm -hmm. if you wanted to browse the books, browse the souvenirs, posters, postcards, Shirts, paraphernalia, but uh, and if
0: you're like us, you want to get that good old stamp for your national parks. Oh yeah, passport.
1: That's the first thing that I did when you I, we ran went in there. to that one. Yeah, yeah, so I have my little national park passport book, and that yeah, that's always my first order of business. As soon as I walk through the doors of the <laughs> <laughs> the park uh, visitor centers, where's the darn stamp? So I got my stamp, so I can prove to myself later in the future that I actually was there. And then we uh, browsed around, I think you ended up buying something for the uh, grandkids. Mm -hmm. And then we got some information about what we could do on day one. And we learned about some of the hiking options and there happened to be a trail that started just at the visitor center. And so we would end up taking that, but there's also several trails with round trip times of anywhere from a half an hour to four hours that are in the park. There's a network of trails that totals 50 miles that connects Zion's northwest corner of the park to its southeast section. So lots of hiking trails if that's something that you like to do. And that's what we uh, opted to do on our day one. But we started with uh, probably one of the easiest trails that there are in the park.
0: We started with the Perouse Trail, which was right next to the visitor center across the street from it. Because we couldn't get to the Narrows that day, we're just going to take a, an easy hike. And uh, we had plenty of time, so we were off on this trail that was very easy, very casual trail. Met quite a few people walking the trail, too. There were lots of bikes. Tons of bikes. up and down the trail, so you had to watch yourself with that they were watching you too so it's not a problem yeah dog walkers there was um some campsites in the area that we walked by didn't seem too full but there was some campers out there in uh, tents i saw a couple of rvs it's walking right next to a river there so that was quite pleasant yeah I think to walk by that virgin river mm-hmm. virgin yeah. river yeah. yeah very easy it's paved as you first start it's paved level, very, very easy walk.
1: Yeah, in fact, I think this is one of the few trails in the national park systems that's ADA compliant. So if you're even in a wheelchair, you can Mm -hmm. take part in, I think, the whole trail.
0: It's three and a half miles round trip, and the elevation only changes about 50 feet. So So it's, it's really easy. As a matter of fact, I did see a couple of people... At least one that I remember that was uh, disabled. So uh, I don't know how far they got, yeah. but they were on the trail.
1: I just remember also when we were even in this section, you still had that sense of light play of the sun on the mountains. And I think if you were like into photography.
0: Mm-hmm. There was some cloud cover and then the, the mm-hmm. sun started to come through and the mountain range is right there. And it was absolutely beautiful.
1: Yeah. I look back at some of the photos that we took from this hike as well as i mean just about you know everything that we did in zion and there's some that just came out looking like they could be postcard i mean just you get these amazing shot opportunities there Mm -hmm. so um you can just spend time aside from the hiking just admiring the scenery lots of wildflowers you got the river the mountains yeah phenomenal
0: yeah at that time of year it was it was Mm -hmm. just gorgeous so we Continued on this hike, and it stops at Canyon Junction, which is the split that leads up to the Narrows. Mm-hmm. And it's a road, a paved road. So we decided we were going to go a bit further, and we started walking up this road towards the Temple of Sinuava, But we didn't quite get as far as the Temple of Sinawava. At that time, the road was closed to traffic. There were cars occasionally coming up and down as they probably were leaving the parking lot and some cars were allowed to come in. The walk was a great viewpoint for some of the highlights in that area too. As we were walking, of course, you're walking along these gorgeous mountainous ranges and again, the colors that just come popping out at you, are great for photograph moments there's water that runs all along this road uh, so you've got chances to get some um, mountainous shots with the water running through it Mm -hmm. you know it was just it was absolutely gorgeous but we came to a viewpoint called the court of patriarchs and at that point after snapping a few photos we decided to turn around yeah and we walked back down the road and got back to the trail that we first started off, the Pyrus Trail, and back to the visitor center. Yeah. So it, it took us about three hours to yeah. do the whole thing.
1: Now, in normal times, if somebody's taking this trail, about halfway up the trail, there is a bit of a turnoff that will take you to the Zion Museum. But it turned out, because we were visiting during COVID time, the museum was closed, so we were not able to see it. But just know, you know, if you're listening to this in the future, that might be something that you look at to see if it is open, because that's gonna give you an opportunity to learn more about the park. Yeah, the, the other thing, you know, when I think about What we saw, and we've mentioned it a couple of times so far, is just kind of, you know, this magnificent color that you see in this park. I think about Zion is only about an hour away from Bryce. So, you know, distance-wise, they're fairly close. But when I think about what we saw in Bryce versus what we saw in Zion.
0: Completely different. Totally different. Completely different. You must see both parks.
1: Yeah. I mean Zion just struck me as I keep thinking about like words like majestic and awesome and um, one of those places like many national parks that you can see pictures and videos that you flip through a book or you watch something on TV but being there in person is just a completely different experience Mm -hmm. for me. So after we had spent um, you know a few hours on this hike, we decided it was time for coffee. And just outside of the visitor center is a little area with a couple of stores. So there's the Zion Outfitters, there's a brew pub. And then we ran into a coffee shop called Perk's Coffee. So we stopped there for our very late morning coffee, mm-hmm. And again, you know, we we hadn't had anything to eat, I think, by this time because we had left so early. And we, to your point, you know, we passed the alarm clock and we didn't have time for breakfast. So we also ended up getting something to eat. They had about a dozen salad and sandwich options on the menu, everything made in-house. We ended up having, I think you had the huevos rancheros wrap and I had the California Egger breakfast croissant mm-hmm, right. which my cardiologist would not approve of but
0: we're on vacation but when
1: we're on vacation we I eat differently so mm-hmm. I eat like I am on vacation so this was a nice option in the town I think it's technically in the town of Springdale but within steps of the Zion Park Visitor Center So just know when you're there. If you're a coffee fan, you've got Perks there. And the other thing that, I'm gonna digress just for a second. When we had finally left Zion National Park and when we were going on our way home, we ended up stopping in the city of St. George, also at a place called Perks Coffee. And I think it's like the same collection of coffee shops. And, And I don't remember seeing this option at the Zion Perks, but the uh, the St. George Perks coffee shop, they had a siphon coffee, oh, so they had they had these contraptions there. They looked like they were from a chemistry lab yeah. that they make coffee in. We didn't have that when we were there, but we ended up after we ordered our coffee. I had noticed those, and I remember having a conversation with the barista and he was describing how they make the siphon mm-hmm. coffee I thought it was just like decoration I didn't know that would actually use it so if you want a totally different type of coffee experience for all I know they might have it at the perks at Zion but for sure the perks at St. George that's a something that you don't see every day you definitely don't get siphon coffee options at Starbucks that I've ever seen so something that I have to okay. try someday
0: a plug for perks at St. George
1: yes coffee was great
0: Yeah, it was good and we needed it. I think it was time to refresh and re-energize and-
1: Yeah, so after that, we decided that we were going to see what we could of Zion for the rest of the afternoon by our truck, which came in very handy on, (laughs) on this trip. One of the things that we passed through was what's called the Zion Mount Carmel Tunnel. So if you are coming through the park from the east entrance, you are absolutely going to go through this. If you're coming through the other entrance, I would highly, highly recommend continue up the road to experience going through this tunnel because it is one of the greatest engineering feats of modern times. It is, I mean, it is spectacular.
0: So I had noticed this hole pretty much in the middle of this enormous mountain. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what it was. And we, I thought maybe a cave. I said, but I'm like, how can a cave be up that high? But I guess it could if it was weathered. But it I don't lo- know. It looked
1: like a man-made hole. It
0: looked man-made. I thought maybe they tried to make some kind of roadway or something through that area and failed. I didn't know. That's what, what I it thought was. first.
1: I thought that it was an initial attempt. That it was a fail, and then yeah. they just left this hole in the side yeah, of the Yeah,
0: until we passed a little information plaque on the side of the road, and we, we uh, read exactly what that was, and it was this Zion-Mount Carmel tunnel.
1: shaft way into the tunnel. Right, yeah. right.
0: So they had to open up an area, and I don't know if it's just an engineering structural thing where it provides outside air to the tunnel itself. The tunnel is so long, I could see that being a necessity.
1: Yeah, so there's actually four of these uh, right. shaft ways or uh, kind of windows into the tunnel. So, yeah, so the tunnel itself, it's 1.1 miles long. And when we pass there... Early, early in the morning, traffic was going both ways, but by the time we were going through the tunnel later in the day, the park rangers would close off traffic, so it would only be going one way at a time, and that actually, I thought it made driving through it feel somewhat safer, you know, you didn't have to feel like you were hugging the the side of the road like we would have been in the morning. Yeah, so a little bit about this the history of the tunnel though cuz this is kind of interesting. So you mentioned earlier that in the early days of the park, it was almost impossible to get in the park because either, you know, road conditions were so poor or in many cases didn't exist. And once Zion became identified as a national park in 1919, now you had the interest of people who wanted to explore the place, but you couldn't really do that without a road. So ultimately a 25 mile stretch of road would be developed that would connect Zion to the Grand Canyon and Bryce Canyon, but there were some big challenges to get the road completed. One of those being this massive amount of mountain that engineers had to figure out. Either you have to get around, or in this case, they had to make their way through the mountain. So in the 20s, the end of the canyon appeared to be a a dead end, and highway engineers came up with a solution which was to create a mile-long tunnel behind the cliff face. So work on this highway, on the Zion Mount Carmel Highway began in 1927, And they started making these small shafts that you mentioned into the cliff face, and then those are still visible today. So when you're driving through the tunnel, you'll come across every now and then, you're driving, it's dark, it's dark, it's dark, and then all of a sudden there's like a a, a peak of sunlight that comes through, and that's the... The hole in the side of the mountain and there's four of those the tunnel was completed in 1930 and then that allowed the area to be open for motorized tourism and so from 1930 until the present day if we have access to a motor vehicle where we can travel through the tunnel down the road and enjoy the immense beauty that is zion canyon national park now you had mentioned earlier julie also that if you have a super large RV, you may have trouble getting through the tunnel. So just know that the, the height of the tunnel at its peak is 13 feet, two inches high. So if you have a rig that is larger than, than that, The tunnel is not going to be an option for you and on the edges. It's uh, 11 feet 4 inches on the side So those are the dimensions you need to know about for your rig
0: quite tight. Yeah, really be precise When you're going to attempt yeah to bring an RV Yeah, in fact
1: if you for those that have an oversized vehicle you also require a special permit to get through the tunnel, and you're gonna be limited to specific hours in the day because to get the larger rigs through, they have to definitely have just one-way traffic mm-hmm. going through the tunnel. Mm-hmm. So it took us, because I watched the video the other night, because you took a video, I I, going, as through we going, going through tunnel. the whole tunnel.
0: I was very excited about yeah, that. it
1: took us three minutes and 13 seconds to get through the 1.1 mile long tunnel. But yeah, if you're into, um, Engineering marvels and spectacles. This is one. Mm-hmm. Um just mm-hmm. amazing. The the only other tunnel I ever remember us driving through that was anything close to this, and I think it might have even been longer, is when we were in Alaska, Alaska. and going yeah. from I think it was the town of Whittier, maybe.
0: It was we came into Whittier. Yeah,
1: and go into Anchorage. And the only
0: way to get out of Whittier is through this tunnel.
1: Yeah, which was also like in the made in a mountain and just seemed like we were in there for far too long. Yeah. (laughs) It's like I want it's a
0: train. It's not, you can't drive through it. Oh, It's a train. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And it was nice to get out. Yeah, so that was the, uh, that's the Mount Carmel Tunnel. Very famous. One piece of this scenic drive in Zion. Mm -hmm.
0: We continued our drive after we came out of the tunnel on the Zion Scenic Drive. This was our uh, main driving route in and out of the park over the next few days that we were staying there. We were staying about 20 minutes east of the park in a town called glendale utah if you're thinking about staying in springdale which is the other entrance to the park we would still recommend that you take the drive at least until the park entrance on the east side to view some of the amazing vistas the mountainside Mm -hmm. The changes that you see as you're pivoting around these turns, they're not bad turns either. They're, yeah. they're not scary at all. Yeah.
1: And to get from the one entrance to the other entrance, the road isn't all that long. So um, if you're going to be in Zion anyways, I mean, just take that time to make the entire drive because it's yeah. just beautiful.
0: Yeah, we really, really recommend that if there's a safe place for you to turn off. Turn off, take a look at the view, take it all in. It's just, it's so magnificent. And
1: there's places you're going to want to get out of your car.
0: There is. And we did. uh, We were passing an area called the Checkerboard Mesa.
1: Mm -hmm. It just looked super interesting. It looked interesting.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it was a really nice place to pull over, uh, walk a little bit. It was very accessible by foot. And it was this area that they said, be, you know, look for mountain goat on this checkered board. Kind of maze thing that was on one of the mountain sides.
1: Yeah, it kind of looks checkerboard. It did. It looked yeah.
0: checkerboard. It was yeah. very. It was super interesting. So you were driving, so driving, you yeah. weren't able to really take a look. I'm watching, and all of a sudden, I see something on the side of this mountain, and for sure enough, they were mountain goats. Yeah, so. I
1: think you've got to have you know pretty good eyesight know what to look for because they blend
0: in yeah because i even looked at the
1: photos the other night because you snapped a few of these goats and man do they blend in with the mountainside. so you know you're probably looking for movement but you spotted them so that was neat to see
0: well i think other people had spotted it and i think when i saw fingers pointing i'm like there's something up there yeah so that's when I zeroed into that area.
1: Again, I you know, pulled these photos up the other night. There was, at least on one of the photos, like a dozen of these mountain goats midway up this cliff. And it looked like I couldn't even tell like what on earth they were standing on. So the fact yeah. that they were able to <laughs> make their way, when you look at, they're just kind of like making their way on this cliffside with a heck of a large incline. That was just amazing to me too, to see.
0: Yeah. A little bit about Checkerboard Mesa. It was originally named by Preston... Patro who was the third superintendent of the park, named for the hill's horizontal cross bedding, which is what we were seeing, mm-hmm. of the ancient sand dunes and vertical cracking due to the expansion and contraction of the sandstone during the winter. So it caused all this cracking within this sandstone to where these goats in their specialized hooves can actually walk across... It looked like nothing that they were... I mean, it looked like they were just going to slide right off. But because they have specialized hooves, they're able to grab onto these small areas, uh, these grooves that were within the sandstone. So it's pretty amazing.
1: We had pulled over in our truck in this area and just did a little exploration. I remember there was a group of people, I think there was like four people, who had set up their chairs on the top of this large... Like rock type of area, Mm -hmm. and just enjoying lunch. And Mm -hmm. man, if you think about a beautiful place to have a lunch, just to you know pull over to the side of the road in Zion National Park, get your chair out there, and just sit and admire the view and eat a sandwich or something that you bring along with you. These people had the right idea. I think we had a little conversation with them. Yeah, very nice. Or you you did. Yeah. And then yeah, again looking at some of the photos that we took in this area, the uh, the rocks looked like these sheets of rock mm-hmm. it was just very it's unique all sandstone. looking. Mm-hmm. it's very interesting yeah if you enjoy geology different formations i mean i think both of us probably could have spent even more hours just walking around and taking photos and looking here and there and mm-hmm. neat neat areas
0: how about some fun facts what do you got in 2016 there were over four and a half million people visiting this park
1: That's a lot of people. That's
0: a lot of people. As compared to in 1920, the park saw just a little under 4,000
1: visitors. I wonder, I bet they get probably a few thousand a day these days, uh, right? I mean, they're going to have 4.5 million a year. Yeah. So it's become more popular, huh? The other thing we learned about is evidence of Zion's earliest inhabitants dates back over 8,000 years the Anasazi, the original occupants of Zion Canyon, have left behind rock art and cliff dwellings that are dated between 800 and 1500 years old and in parts of the park can still be seen today.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So that's a little bit about an uh, introduction to Zion National Park. Again, we were determined to hike the Narrows, so when we get together next time, we are going to take you through that journey via our podcast because we, we did do it and it was quite amazing.
0: It it, it was one of the most spectacular experiences I've ever had.
1: Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to tune in next time and we'll, uh, we'll take you through the waters of Zion with us. We also thank you for listening, invite you to subscribe to our podcast, follow us on our blog And uh, we will see you next time.
0: Until then, we appreciate you being in the places where we go. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at com.
1: You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at the places where we go
0: thanks for joining us and we hope to see you at the places where we go see you next time bye now